the Do A Day podcast, where you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. This is an exciting and maybe slightly sad one because it's the end of another season, which means I'm going to be taking a few weeks off from releasing. I've got plenty more episodes ready to go and more coming, more interviews coming up in the next few weeks. So you will not be wanting for amazing, inspiring guests. Uh, You should hear some of the ones that I haven't put out yet. Um, But I did want to just go over the season two guests. I did this at the end of season one after having Dick Vitale on the show and people loved it. Like got really good engagement. It was one of actually the highest downloaded episodes, which is, is pretty cool. Um, just, you know, I think it's a great way for people maybe who hadn't listened to all the episodes to catch up and see what was going on and get ready for season two. Or even if you had listened, just kind of recap, like what's the whole coming together kind of message from all these amazing guests that I've been able to have on the show, bring some inspiration. And if you're wondering, uh, for those of you who are, watching live because I'm also live streaming this. I am on site at a hotel in Florida for an event that I'll be sharing do a day at soon later today. It's a live um, like a leadership, young leadership summit. So that's pretty cool that I get to do what I love. And it's finally nice out. There's a huge storm here yesterday. So I was bouncing around between different airports in Florida trying to finally get to my destination, but I'm here and very excited. Um, Cool. Well, let's just jump in. So season two started with episode 28 and went all the way through episode 54, which as I'm recording this, uh, just came out on Tuesday. But let's hit episode 28. So that was Steve Gordon. Steve is a business and leadership coach. He's a podcast host. He's had me on his show, um, Unstoppable CEO. But the, the thing with Steve is, you know, he's not just a great mind. He's like everyone who's on the show. He's lived through it. So he had a business failure after a lot of success and that, you know, taught him a lot of humility and a lot of lessons that he has then applied in his coaching practice and in the conversation that we had in the episode. So that's a great one. Maybe you're an entrepreneur or you're someone who is aspiring to be building a business. Really great guidance from Steve, having lived through the ups and the downs. And, you know, sometimes we learn a bit more from the downs than the ups. Wouldn't it be nice to take those messages and those learnings? without actually having to go down. So great episode. Next is Rob Holman. Um, Rob is just an amazing soul. And he's actually on the verge of releasing his next book, his latest book. Uh, but he he's an amazing human being, just a great guy. I'm really excited to have been connected with him. He tells the story of uh, this medical, uh, not even a scare because it was real, um, this medical situation he had with this, this growth. Uh, when he was in college and playing basketball and it just kind of brought him to his knees and scared him and um, you know was inexplicable like no one really knew what it was and then he had this very real moment uh, very direct connection with God that he uh, he just sort of let it all out and faced everything. And when he went for a checkup with a new doctor to try to figure out what's going on, growth was gone. No sign of it whatsoever. And of course, they had all these tests from before that showed it was there. So it's not that he was making it up, but it was just gone. And 
that sparked a whole process and journey for Rob going forward. And it taught him about leadership, but leadership from the inside. So he's really keen on that message of who you are, how you lead yourself and use that to lead others. Of course, that's a common theme that we've heard in a number of episodes. Uh, and that I talk about as well, that self-love notion, that self-connection, introspection. If you don't do it, you really can't do anything else. Not well enough, not real enough, and not in a way that will have the impact that you seek to have. Um, Rob has such passion. That's an awesome episode. You've got to listen to that. Uh, Lindsay Heiserman came on as well. Lindsay is, she came on after Rob. She is a coach um, in many senses of the word, including the physical sense. So she's a, a personal trainer, um, but she talks about her whole journey with exercise and just how that's tied into her understanding of people and herself and um, really cool self journey that she takes us through. So that's a great one to listen to. Sharice Kohler, um, I'm pausing because that's not her last name anymore. She got married right around when the, uh, the episode came out. She's an amazing woman, um, really genuine, really caring, and really open with her journey. She is a survivor of domestic abuse, and um, she talks about that, that rebirth that can still happen. So the process of the abuse, what it does to you, how it makes you feel about yourself and then how you might be able to journey forward. And she's found love again. Um, we're connected on Facebook, so I get to see the pictures of her current life, and it's it's amazing. It's really happy. The love is really clear. The respect, the mutual respect is really clear in her relationship. Um, so unfortunately, a lot of people do understand what it's like to be in a domestic abuse situation. Uh, so I wish this episode wouldn't resonate with people, but I'm sure it will. And it does. So do listen to that. Um, Sarah Kirikoni, Live Free Warrior, came on towards the end of 2018. She's awesome. She's quite a, uh, a powerhouse of inspiration. So this is a woman who has been through a lot. She faced cancer as a teenager. Uh, she's faced eating addiction and substance abuse. And she's been through it all. And she's really open about it. Uh, she put out a book. Um, that is all about that journey and living free of the cancer in our life and not just the disease, but all the forms of cancer that we face and what that really means and the impact that it has on us. Um, Sarah's awesome. She's just such an inspiration and totally committed to wellness in and out. So uh, not just the, the foods we eat, but the people that we are and how we become those people and live as those people. And she has been tested, no doubt. So she speaks truth from truth. Um, really, really cool person. I was so glad to have her on. And uh, that is an episode that everyone should check out. Sid Finkelstein, who is one of my professors when I was getting my master's, um, this was a really different episode because it wasn't about Sid's backstory so much. I mean, he does talk about, you know, what his journey has been, but it's less about that than what he's learned from other people's backstories. So as a business school professor, Sid also is an author and a uh, someone who has studied leadership and in particular, some really famous leaders in depth. Um, he's gotten some of the, the coolest one-on-one -on -one meetings with people. He's really dug into what's gone on in their story and how they've led. And he's pulled it together into a series of different books on leadership. Uh, his latest one is uh, super bosses. And so he talks about what it takes to be a super boss leader and the difference between super bosses and 
I don't know, the the opposite. They're not like the arch-villain bosses or diabolical. I don't know. They're just really bad leaders, um, but famous ones and famous failures and, and lessons we can take from that. So he shares uh, some of those key takeaways of what does it mean to be a great leader? What does it take to be a great leader? And what are the things you can do to try to be one? What are the values you should be focusing on and espousing? So if leadership is your game or you wish it to be, that isn't very useful episode for everybody. Um, next was Ariana Denkwa. Um, she has a company, a workplace lab. It's a nonprofit and it's all focused on those leaders who are in the middle. So managers who are not new managers where there's lots of focus on them to help them get up and, and running as managers and not managers who have been in it for a long time. And they're sort of, you know, at the, the, the high end of the leadership scale and they're like in senior roles. It's those middle managers who maybe aren't getting the right investment level and maybe are afraid to ask for it because they don't want to be seen as a squeaky wheel or they don't feel they have the support or the resources. Um, and frankly, they're probably just stuck in the day-to-day -day and everything on the plate. And so she has focused on how to empower those leaders that are stuck in that middle. Um, and we talked about that and also how you start a nonprofit and uh, everything else going on in her life at the time. And how she balanced all that. It's a pretty cool story for her. John DeWall, uh, man, this is this is a pretty gripping story. John's a beautiful soul, um, just great human being who is a coach who helps people through his key transitions in life and figuring out how to get through them, survive, find yourself, go forward and thrive. And as you can guess, he's got a story of his own. Um, John, when he was telling me the story, when he fell off a roof and shattered his legs, I, yeah, I was just totally taken aback. Um, and he lands on his feet. And so when I first heard him, like, oh, wow, you know, what an amazing, like, I thought he was going to be like, you know, some higher power was looking out for me because he's uh, very focused on his religious values. Um, no, he landed on his feet and that's what shattered his legs. And then he rolled and tried to get up and couldn't. Um, so, yeah, I was like a few points in his story where I was just like, oh, no, you know, like kind of blown away, a bit speechless. Um, incredible story. But then he walks you through the whole process after that and how he went through that and came through that and what he's become instead and the lessons that he's learned as a result of that and comparing that to who he was beforehand. So that is a great episode. Um, and his podcast is amazing. You should listen to it, too. It's called In a Liminal Space. In a liminal, in, <laughs> it's hard to say. In a liminal space. There we go. John Zaratsky. Uh, so we had him on right after the new year, early 2019, right when his book was coming out. Uh, <clears throat> his book is called Make Time. And John is someone who knows a lot about that. Having been in the startup world, he was at a company called FeedBurner that got acquired by Google. And then he got on the whole Google Ventures train and trying to help companies get more productive, 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 productive. And what he realized is ultimately that doesn't work. It's not about just jamming more stuff into the day. It's about moving stuff out and focusing in on what really matters. And his book is all about how to do that. And so he shares some of those key lessons with us. I know that 99.9% .9 of people would benefit from that conversation and from that book. So that is one you have no excuse to, uh, to skip. And if you say you're too busy, that's kind of the point. Like that's even more of a reason why you need to listen. And Josh Perry on right after that. 
Josh is amazing. Um, I, I've been really thankful for all the people I've gotten connected to in this journey. Josh has become one of the closest, most meaningful connections I have. He's just such an incredible, incredible human being. And saying all that reminds me, like, I need to reach out to him. We, we haven't caught up in a few, oh, probably even a few months. We've both been pretty busy, um, long overdue, and I miss him. Josh is a great guy. He was a pro BMX rider. Um, I grew up in the 80s, so, like, BMX was a big deal. So I was, I was all giddy uh, to get to talk to him. Um, but his career came to an end because he had a brain tumor. And he didn't just have one, he's had a series of them and he has several of them right now. And so he talks about that journey, how they found the tumor, what it did to him, uh, how it made him feel about his life and the path he chose instead and how he's living with these tumors and they're inoperable. Um, really, if you don't take inspiration from that, I think there's a whole other level of introspection you might want to go through. Because Josh is just, he's a great guy. He tells his perspective, his story, his views really beautifully. And it's pretty much impossible to walk away not feeling a level of inspiration. Um, so I'm so thankful that. And same thing goes for my next guest, Mark Crandall, another one of these incredible souls I've gotten to be connected with. Mark and I actually finally got to meet in person. He had me speak at an event he was hosting in New Hampshire. Um, that was awesome. Getting to see him do his thing on stage and, and, uh, Getting to meet him in person was really big. Mark, um, I would say of everyone I've interviewed, Mark is the one who I'm most blown away with for the transformation. Uh, I read Mark's first book, which he's just recasting into a much bigger piece that takes you out of his story and into the so what, the what to do coming out of it. But I, I haven't gotten to read that yet, but I, it's not released yet, but I've been on pre-order. Um, but I read his first book and I mean, aside from being just utterly speechless with what he's gone through, this is a guy who, um, grew up the child of addicts, was put in foster care, um, just crazy, crazy things he was subjected to. And unsurprisingly became an addict himself pretty heavily, um, multiple different drugs, ultimately heroin. Committed a lot of crime, spent time in prison, um, reading his story. I've said this numerous times. And I said this in the episode. I don't understand how he's alive. And as I'm reading the book, I kept waiting for that part in the story where the main character dies. And of course, I know he doesn't because Mark wrote the thing and I've talked to him. But like, it just doesn't even compute. Like, how does that human being survive? And how does that human being become the human being I know today, which is an unbelievable coach and leader and inspirer, uh, just person that is helping people deal with trauma because trauma is the reason for the whole thing. And so he knows better than so many people the impact trauma has on our lives. So God, you have to listen to that. Um, that will move you in so many different ways, whether you suffer with addiction problems or not. Uh, we all have different kinds of trauma in our history. And Mark really hits the nail on the head. Another person who I'm so just uh, like spiritually connected with is Adam Shively. Adam had me on his show, The Million Pound Mission, a while ago. We were both, as he calls it, PhDs, previously heavy dudes. Um, 
and we just totally clicked like you know similar backstory similar feelings about things um similar energy i'm probably like 50 percent the energy level of adam uh that's okay <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with my energy level and i'm very happy with his being higher than mine but he is just awesome and will rev you up and uh he takes us through his story and how he came out of the obesity the debt the depression and he is one of the most inspiring positive people i know and so like yeah to know where he came from is wild and it gives you that sense of possibility but also some of the tools to do it so um that's a fun episode and great and um oh, i just love adam what a, what a great story he's got and he tells it really really well um after Adam, I, keep, I think I'm going to end up saying the same thing that like one of the you know the greatest people I've gotten connected to is true. I've been really lucky with the guests that I've had on; they're incredible. Um, Sandy Vo was on next. Sandy had me on her show, Dear Self and Co., which is all about the letter you write to yourself to talk about your journey and what you've been through, and give yourself that maybe that advice uh, as you look back. And so she shares her story, which is one of abandonment. Her father abandoned her family and that had a pretty serious impact. And that wasn't the only thing. And there was also the death of a cousin who was more like a sister to her. Uh, and that led into a lot of issues, addiction issues, um, it's pretty severe depression. Um, she got to a point where she didn't know which way was up. It just uh, a really dark, difficult time. Um, she ended up, uh, a friend of her, uh, the mother of a friend of hers took her to um, a meditation center and she was introduced to meditation at a time where she literally like didn't even know who she was or what she was doing. Like she was just mentally fried. Um, and I'm, I'm simplifying it. It's a lot bigger than that. But meditation completely transformed her world. And you listen to Sandy and you don't understand the turmoil she's been in because of how smooth and pure she is today. And that's all about the power that meditation has had in creating a new sense of normal for her brain, a new path for her brain. Really incredible. Uh, and so she shares all that. And she's a beautiful soul, beautiful storyteller. Um, I, I got so much out of that. And I was left speechless quite a bit, which is not very useful when you're trying to host a podcast. Um, Cornell Thomas was after Sandy. What an awesome guy. Cornell and I met, we were both doing our first TEDx talks and I got to hear his story live, but we like, we met in the green room beforehand. And it was like instantly, you know, he walks in the room and we just saw each other and was like, okay, we're connected. You just kind of, some people you just know, um, our energies totally vibed and, uh, stayed connected since then. Cornell is a super inspiring guy. He's got quite a story. Uh, he had his dreams coming together. He was going to play pro basketball in Europe. He was going to uh, help his mother financially. Like, you know, his dad died when he was a kid. His mother worked tons of jobs, like three jobs at a time, um, to take care of him and all of his siblings. It's a really big family. And so it was like, I'm going to take care of you, mom, you know? And right before leaving, it all fell apart. And I won't give it away, but, um, he takes you through that whole process and how he's rebuilt since then and changed as a human being and what he's doing today, which is super inspiring coaching and speaking. Um, oh, awesome guy. You can't listen to him and not feel empowered. So that's a great one. After Cornell was Sandra Younger, really interesting timing when I interviewed her, 
she's a survivor of what at the time was the largest California wildfire. And when we, we did the recording, the largest California wildfire was going on. So yet another record setter. Um, so that was, was kind of ironic that that happened to happen at the same time, really timely message. And so she talks about uh, that journey as a survivor rather than a victim. I mean, obviously she takes you through the whole story of the fire and how they got out and what happened and then how you end up feeling afterward that survivor skill because she's the only person in her, uh, her little neighborhood. She and her husband are the only people that their house wasn't burned to the ground uh, that survived actually. Um, it's, it's wild. And so she ended up writing a book uh, after interviewing all these people who've been through the fire and talking to people who were survivors or victims, depending how they felt and looking at who was experiencing the most pain and anger and um, bitterness and who had the most, um, I don't know, the most like, not gratitude, that's not the right word, but peace with what happened and sense of the need to move forward and the respect for the lives that were lost. Um, so interesting to me, the guy who was the angriest, most bitter, had lost the least. He lost a garage full of stuff. And the person who was the most moved on, um, maybe moved on is the wrong word, but the most at peace with it and doing something better as a result of it was a woman who lost her teenage daughter to the fire. And it's like, you know, hearing that juxtaposition, that comparison puts it all in perspective. It's like, well, where are our values at? Um, and how do we avoid being the guy who's all bitter for losing a few of his things that were all covered by insurance and someone who lost their child? You know, how, what is that difference? And how do we take the mindset learnings to experience tragic loss differently? Really interesting perspective. Uh, then I had Jen Swanson on it. Interestingly, Jen and Sandy have similar backstories of their fathers abandoning the family. Um, at different ages, the experiences were really different. Um, but I interviewed them back to back. I didn't release the episodes back to back, but I interviewed them back to back. It was just like a weird kind of, I don't know, cosmic alignment, right? That I happened to uh, get these two scheduled back to back with this story of their father's leaving. So Jen talks about this letter she wrote to her dad when she was nine years old and how she realized she didn't write it for him. She wrote it for herself to move forward, to let it go. And it's like a nine-year-old had that kind of clarity, kind of insight, kind of realization that this was necessary. She couldn't hold on to this pain anymore. And she realized like she was wasting her time by being so angry. I'm like she's nine. Little kids don't, most adults don't even come to that kind of learning. And then it's like all the things that that enabled going forward. Um, and she has a relationship with her father today. It's, it's a really, um, Jen's another beautiful soul tells the story beautifully. Um, it's just, it's so interesting to me. You get two people who experience a very similar kind of uh, trauma and you look at how differently it plays out yet. It comes together similarly in the end. They're both these calm, pure minded people. We're trying to help others. Um, so I, I think that it's so interesting. Like you definitely need to listen to both of those. Well, you need to listen to every episode, but you especially need to listen to both of those. Um, yeah, really, really cool. Then I had the amazing Howard Jacobson on. 
Howard is the host of the Plant Yourself podcast, which is a huge podcast in the vegan space. I was really um, honored, lucky, probably both the wrong words, maybe like sneaky to get on the show. I still don't know how I was, other than being vegan, um, I just don't feel like I'm a big enough person to be on his show because he's he's like, he's all over the vegan community. He's connected to everyone who everyone wants to be connected to. So I was super excited to be on his show. And the fact that he was willing to be on mine was equally gidifying, if that's a word, which it isn't. Um, Howard's really cool. I'm on his mailing list for his podcast. And he had an episode where he talked about his journey with his dad's death and how that really sparked his whole um, movement into the plant-based world and his whole desire to see how can lifestyle be changed without medication, um, but trying to eliminate these unnecessary deaths. And that's how he views his father's death. His dad died of cancer. But if you look at his lifestyle, you understand why he died of cancer uh, and why the fight was, was tough. Uh, so, you know, that was this personal loss that caused Howard to look differently into the realm of possibilities if we are willing to live differently. And a lot of people are like, oh, I can't be bothered. It's like, really? Do you not want to survive? Like, what about your kids? What about your spouse? What about your friends, family? What about yourself? And if, uh, you know, giving up a couple of things that literally are killing you are, is more important than your life. Oh, there's a whole other conversation we got to have. Um, but that, that was for me when I heard Howard's just sort of like, he just started talking about this process with his dad and his dad's death. And I was like, man, I know exactly what we're going to talk about when I interview him. Cause we had already talked about having him on the show. Um, he's awesome. He's such a force to be reckoned with force of nature. Um, I'm really, really, glad to be connected with Howard. Um, so that's Howard Jacobson. Brooke Seam was on next. Brooke is awesome. Um, so first of all, we watch a lot of cooking shows in my family and uh, Brooke was on Chopped. And so like that was super cool when I, I brought the news home. I was like, hey, I'm interviewing this woman who was a chef. She was on Chopped. Um, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, but she's she's one super interesting woman. She's She's totally a nomad. Like she has traveled all over the world. But she goes before that into this backstory where actually her dad died when she was a kid. She was a teenager and she was almost immediately put on antidepressants and was on them through her teens, her twenties. And then she had this opportunity. Or she, I should say like she opened a bakery in New York. Like she did all these cool things. And then she had this opportunity to travel the world as part of a program where they would like go to different countries every, I don't know, a few weeks or months. And she realized like, I can't do that with these meds. Cause it's, it was a lot. I think it was at least a year. It was a, it was a while. And it's like, how am I going to refill my medications? How am I going to check in with my doctor and get them adjusted? Uh, you know, if that's necessary. So if I'm going to do this, I need to come off these meds. Oh, and by the way, I've not been an adult without these medications. I don't even know myself. Like, what am I going to discover? I haven't gone through like, you know, most of that transition adolescence into adulthood, the things that people experience that change them, define them, she was medicated through all that. And so she was kind of like, I don't even know what I'm going to dis discover. Oh, and by the way, I only have, I don't know, a couple months, three months or something to do it. And some of these medications take like months and months and months to come down from. 
you know, it's a really slow process to do that. So she had to like rush through it, which is super intense. So she talks about that transformation. She talks about that rush process of coming off of them and the way like she's hypersensitive to everything. And she paints this really gripping picture of what it was like to actually do that. And she was living in New York city. So it's like, you know, it's not like she was out in the middle of nowhere in, in the great plains or something like she was, you know, lots of noise, lots of people, lots of lights, all these stimulation points that uh, when you're hypersensitive makes it very difficult. Uh, so she walks through all that and then what she discovered since and the kind of person she's been. And so now she's, uh, she, aside from doing a lot of other things, she also speaks on mental illness and medication uh, and the process to come through them, finding yourself a really cool, eclectic person. So that's Brooke Seam. Tanner Badgley was on next. He had me on his show, People of Purpose. And I was just like, such a beautiful soul. He's, he's this really pure, kind, honest, just human being, for lack of a better term. Uh, he's incredible. And he's got this story where he fell off the side of a mountain. And he did it trying to help his brother who was stuck. And he goes through that whole process, suffered a serious concussion amongst other injuries. So he walks you through that. And another concussion he suffered after that. Uh, the whole way that it impacted his life, his decisions around what he does and doesn't do, you know, going down a very corporate kind of career path and then realizing, like, I can't do this. Um, and then pivoting really seriously, heading off to Asia, traveling, uh, studying with Buddhist monks. Um, just incredible, incredible story. And again, he tells it beautifully, really peacefully and purely. It's you, you definitely take a lot from him. Um, and he's really young. And it's like he's got the wisdom of someone who's lived for decades and decades. And so there's there's kind of a message in that, too, for me is like, you know, the idea that you have to have lived through a lot or you're too young to know something. He's kind of proof that that's not necessarily the case. It's all about what you're willing to do from a self-exploration standpoint. Um, so that is a really powerful and kind episode. Gary Burt Whistle was on after Tanner and sort of calling back to Sandra with the wildfires. He is down in Australia and he's actually a volunteer firefighter and has fought some pretty serious wildfires, including one that almost took his own home, uh, which is, is pretty ironic that he ends up battling the blaze that nearly took his own home. Uh, Gary's amazing human being. He started a charity somewhat out of the blue, uh, bike riding to fight cancer and raised $21 million. I never got if it was Australian dollars or US dollars, but it's still a lot of money either way. Um, he's written all these books. Like he's, he's a great human being. I love listening to him. I love the things he's been through and the way he looks at life. He had me on his show called Mojo Radio. Um, and we just had a blast. Like he has this way of being fun and lighthearted, yet super deep and insightful at the same time. And there's something to be said for that delivery, that it it allows you to take things in uh, and be moved, yet also feel uplifted and good. It's a really cool balance. So that is one you have to listen to. I love Gary's life story, where his inspiration comes from, and the things he's done as a result of that. And this sort of attitude that like, I'm just going to do it. I can do anything. Uh, really cool guy. Um, Frank King was on next. 
Frank is someone who I met at my second TED talk. He's done a ton of them. So I don't even know what number that was for him. Maybe seven, eight, nine, eleven. I don't know. Um, he also does these like Facebook lives from his Toyota Tercel that he calls Tercel Talks, which is a little bit different, but also inspiring. You should check them out. Um, Frank is what he describes as, I think this is actually the term for it. Uh, he has chronic suicidality. And the way he puts it is basically suicide is always on the table as an option with anything he's going through. So he gave an example that, you know, if your car breaks down, normal people would be like, okay, I could get a new car or I can get this car fixed. For him, there's always a third option is, or I could just kill myself. And he doesn't mean that jokingly. He means that literally. Like that's another way to deal with a problem is oh, just kill yourself. Uh, pretty wild to hear. Um, he's not speaking flippantly about it, though. He is a stand-up comedian. He wrote for the Tonight Show at one point. Um, so he calls himself the suicide comic, but it's really about suicide awareness and prevention. That's his intention. Um, so as much as he is funny, it is also very serious and he has faced death. So he says, He's so serious about suicide. He's not just making light of it. He knows what his gun tastes like, which is, you know, that sort of puts it in perspective. He had an incredibly severe heart attack that should have killed him and didn't. And what's crazy is he could have just given in. He could have not tried to get help. He could have not gone through recovery. He could have not changed his life uh, to ensure it doesn't happen again. You know, it's a guy who's always looking at suicide as an option, right? But he has found reasons to stay alive. He's latched on to them. And one of the things we talk about is how suicide actually is the basis for possibility in his life. And that's what struck me in his TED Talk is he was working at a job that he hated and the suicide desire was really strong in him around that because it was one way to get out. And he wanted to get into comedy, but that's big and scary. And what if everything fails? And what if you can't support yourself? And, you know, well, then you realize, uh, if I stay in this job, I'm going to kill myself. And if I go for my dreams and I fail, I can still kill myself. So actually, what do I have to lose? Now, the key is to take that sense forward without the risk of suicide. And it's something I've talked about when I talk about how if you really want something, you just have to ask for it because the only thing you have to lose is actually nothing. Because if right now you don't have it, then you got nothing. And if you ask and don't get it, then you just have nothing. So there isn't actually any risk. And that's kind of the idea there is if he's going to kill himself either way, why not at least try? I think that's really interesting. So really powerful episode, definitely one to listen to. Uh, so check that out with Frank King. And after Frank was Mary Shores, she has been through a lot. So it's really interesting. She runs a business that she started that is uh, debt collection, which you wouldn't think of as like being people focused, inspiring, but actually that's how she structured it. And so she's been super successful. Uh, and it's not by attacking people and making their lives miserable, which is just, it's not what people think of with debt collection. So that's one thing. But then you listen to her backstory and you kind of get why people have to matter to her so much. So she's someone who had a child at a uh, late teens. Um, and she talks about her backstory, which started before that uh, mental illness that ripped her family apart. She's taken from her mother because of her mother's illness. 
uh, split up from her sister ultimately. I mean, there's, there's a lot to that. And then she has a child as a teenager and, uh, that child didn't survive. So, uh, it was like a, a year long process, lost her baby at, I think 19, I think she turned 20 before her baby died. Um, you know, you think about the impact that that has on a human being and, uh, how she moved forward from that. She has since, uh, become a mother again, um, built her business. I and mean, there, there's a lot in that. Um, and she has a book called conscious communication. It's, it's all like, you know, she has learned something about getting real with people and being in touch with what they really need and what their traumas and their hurts are and how do you communicate through that and serve that, uh, really, yeah, like you hear debt collection and you just don't expect to get everything else that comes along with Mary and her story. So that is a surprising and powerful one to listen to. After Mary, after Mary was Nick Elvery. Um, Nick, like Mark, is another uh, recovery, dr drug addict recovery story. Uh, so he became addicted to drugs uh, while he was dealing with his father's decline through multiple sclerosis. Ultimately, um, his father passed away. And it was after that, that Nick finally uh, changed his story. He is now a leadership coach, performance coach, peak performance is, is his focus area, which is just, you know, it's not what you expect for a drug addict. And he is not what you would expect as a drug addict because he has changed so dramatically. And he talks about that. There's this really interesting internal struggle He's always had this self-help, self-growth um, penchant. So he's like, you know, read all the books in the space, even through his addiction, which I think is so intriguing that like there's one half of him that's just lost in the drugs. And then there's this other half of him that is struggling to do better. And they're, you know, they're sort of like at war and, and, or tugging at each other. And ultimately that curiosity for growth ends up winning out. And he talks about that and the process and where he's come to afterward and the things that have intrigued him the most through that journey. So that's a, a pretty amazing story. After Nick, Jamie J, who I, I'm totally broken record on this, one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met, I think is like 26 of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met in season two, much like the 26 from season one. Um, Jamie's incredible. He is a guy who's been homeless multiple times, um, struggled with a lot of different things that he takes us through. And yet he's like kind and thankful and at peace. And we talk about all that really, uh, it's wild in his backstory. Like he was homeless as a kid because his stepfather lost his job. And like, there's a whole thing around that. But he's, when he started by describing his childhood, he's like, I had a pretty good childhood growing up. And I'm like, and then you hear the story, like, wait, you were homeless, like, twice as a child. Like, what is that? How, what do you mean you had a pretty good childhood growing up? But it just, it speaks to his gratitude that he's built. And I'm sure he didn't feel at the time, like, living in a car with his mother, stepfather, and brother. Like, oh, yeah, this is good. Because it wasn't. Uh, but it's just, he's changed his whole perspective. And it's not that he's has gratitude for today. He also has gratitude for the past. It's not like, you know, I went through these terrible things, but that part of my life's over. And now I have all this other stuff and I'm doing these great things that I love. And so I have gratitude for that. He has gratitude for all of it. 
which is really, really interesting, including losing his brother, who he was unbelievably close to. Um, You know, think about what they experienced together and how you bond. Uh, So he lost his brother at a at a young age. I mean, not like children, but as young adults. Um, Yeah, Jamie's incredible. I I love that guy. He's amazing. You have to listen to that. And um, it's like every time I talk to him, he starts with like, "Hey Brian, what can I do for you?" And I'm like, "It's always about service with him," which is so interesting. Uh, All right, after Jamie was one of my early mentors in my whole journey, I connected with this guy in 2011. He was, um, he was really critical in a number of points in my journey. He was the guy who sort of got me to see the path to releasing do a day, which of course, like this podcast wouldn't exist without the book. The book wouldn't exist without the thoughts that I put together behind it, but it also wouldn't exist without this guy, Di Manuel giving me the clarity to put those pieces in order and see what I needed to do to move forward. Dai has always been a support to me since I began my whole journey with new bodies and do a day starting in 2011. I reached out to him. I was following his stuff. He's a huge following on social media. I love the stuff he's putting out. And lo and behold, he got back to me because that's what he does. And he's just always been so engaged in helping me move forward. Um, so, you know, we got really close although never meeting. And then finally we ended up getting to meet in March of 2017, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. February, March was like right before do a day came out. I think it was a few weeks before we finally got to meet. It's really cool. He and his family came to Boston. Um, when I had him on the first time on the new bodies podcast, it was a video episode and I linked to it in the show notes for this one. Um, it was all about his backstory. Also, you know, former obese guy like me, him and Adam Shively, three brothers from another mother. Um, so he talks about his whole journey and wellness and, and everything that he had going on. But that was like 2012, 2011 and 12. I forget exactly. And then you fast forward to today. He and his family live in Bali, not Vancouver, where they were at then. They've traveled all over the place. They did a year on the road across North America. He's lost his dad. Um He's changed. So it's, I really encourage you, like watch that early episode and listen to his energy and the way he presents and then listen to this one. He still has energy, but it's very different. It's introspective. It's captured. There's something more at peace about it. Um, he's a lot more profound. I loved the die that I interviewed the first time. I love this one too, in a different way. It's like, it's as if it's a different person, but I think keying those two interviews together you take a lot from that, watching the transformation that this travel, this opening up his mind, different set of values. He's living in a totally different place, not just geographically, but in terms of like what matters, who the people are, what they're about, uh, and the impact that that has is, is huge. So that's Diamond. Well, there's two more to go. Blair Palmer, a brilliant gambler. So she had me on her show a while ago when it was under a different name. Uh, punks and suits and now it's called a brilliant gamble because she has taken a year with her young daughter bought a camper van and traveled all over europe so her daughter's homeschooled so she was able to do that and, and her daughter you know still got to do her schooling along the way and they just experienced so they went all over england and then down to the continent and traveled everywhere and took life in and she ran her business on the road and it taught her a few things. One, like obviously all the experiences had a ton of value for her, for her daughter, for their bonding, 
but then it also forced her to make some priority calls that she wouldn't make or didn't make beforehand. So like how many hours you put in, the way that you work, your efficiency around it, the things you say no to, just reprioritizing. So she has a number of rules and guidance that she took away from that experience that she shares, super informative and impactful, but also this notion of gambling on yourself, placing a bet on yourself. What is that about? How do you get to that place and how do you see it so that you can actually go after what you really want? So that is an awesome one. Um, Blair's, Blair's great. Lastly, the episode that just came out, the only explicit rated episode I've put out is with Dove Barone. Dove is, oh, he is a force to be reckoned with. He's a leadership expert and coach. He speaks um, like all over the place. He's one of Inc. Magazine's top rated speakers. Um, just incredible guy. Leadership and loyalty is his podcast that he had me on. Um, he's all about leadership but it's all about values and it like values within that leadership and what you lead from. Uh, and the word curiosity comes up so often with him because it is about that exploration. Um, he's really bold. And so it's no surprise that he was really bold on a particular day where he and a friend were climbing on some mountains and they climbed up behind a waterfall and then kept going and the rocks were wet and he slipped off and fell and fell and fell and fell and, fell and uh, broke kind of like everything. Um, and he goes through that just It's amazing he survived, but actually he ended up dying five times through his recovery process. And he talks about uh, his experience with those moments are very different from what you tend to hear. It wasn't light. There was no light he was going to. It wasn't peaceful. It was dark and scary and cold. Um, yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. So he talks about that and what that did to him and how he's moved forward and the way it's changed him and his values, yet he's still this powerful, um, bold guy, but in a slightly different way. And that has informed his sense of leadership pretty dramatically that event and experience and everything since then. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's a, there's, there's a number of moments in that interview that will leave you uh, speechless, maybe some of you in tears. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he just he swears a bunch of times and I tried to keep track of them so I can edit them out. I'm like, ah, it's too much. And takes away too much of his power and, and his points. So if that's not your thing, you may want to skip that one. Maybe just read the show notes. But um, if you're up for it, maybe with headphones on, not safe for work or for kids, but uh, absolutely worth listening to. And that was such a powerful episode. I thought that was a great one to wrap up season two with. So that is season two of the Do A Day podcast in a nutshell. Uh, I'm really excited for some more episodes to come in season three that I've already recorded. So I know what they are. Um, there's another person who's had a near death experience and that was more of the light and, uh, peace and really interesting story to come with that one. There's a whole bunch. So you got to stay tuned. If you haven't listened to all of the episodes, yeah, there's 54 of them. Now this is number 55. Go back and listen. Maybe scroll through them and see which ones speak to you that you would want to listen to. If you maybe don't have time for all of them, but 
I always listen on one and a half X. I wouldn't listen on two times the speed because it, it's too fast. You can't take it all in. But there's inspiration in every single episode. These people are, I keep saying it, beautiful human beings. And if you don't give yourself exposure to beautiful human beings, you're robbing yourself of the chance to find the inspiration to do a day. That's all I ask. That's all I hope for everybody. So with that, I will say today is a new day. Go out and do it. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you stick around for season three. I hope you stay subscribed. I can't wait to share more with everybody. Thanks so much.